Good morning, everybody. And thank you for inviting me to STPA. It's an honor to be back here again. So for the next hour or so, we will be discussing superficial dermatophytosis, as well as the role of naphthine in treatment of superficial fungal infections. As you know, this uh, product here is sponsored by MERS, and so this is an unlabeled discussion, and we have to stay unlabeled. However, if you have any questions at the end, I'll be more than happy to answer them. So as you know, dermatophytosis is one of the most common conditions actually we see in our offices. It's uh, probably um, the most common after acne, the most common diagnosis after acne that we see in dermatology offices and in outpatient setting. Um, among the most common dermatophytes, it is trichophyton rubrum and trichophyton mentagraffitis. T. rubrum is, um, causes tinea corporis, tinea pitis, uh, tinea cruris, as well as some anicomycosis. T. mentagraffitis is most likely to cause more tinea capitis than anything else. And if you look at the numbers again, about 4.1 million office visit because of dermatophytosis. And among those, tinea pitis, tinea uh, cruris, and tinea corporis are the most common ones. Now, when you look at the numbers, T. rebrum is the most common dermatophyte in almost everything, in tinea pitis, tinea corporis, and uh, anicomycosis. So the theme is repeating itself because I want to tell you about the role of naphthin against T. rebrum. Now, um, how do, how do they present clinically? I think most of you guys have seen and the, you guys see it every day in your offices. It's not a big deal. It's, that's why it's called ringworm. It's an annular scale erythematous plaques, right? Uh, and it can spread. It can spread by human contact, uh, human to human contact. contact. Uh, but tinea cruris is more common than tinea corporis and tinea pitis, it's even more common than tinea cruris. Mostly seen in men, and then when patients sort of put their pants on, no shoes, no socks, that sort of from feet to groin or groin to feet, there is that uh, recurrent spreading theme between uh, tinea pitis and tinea cruris. Tinea pitis is really important, and especially interdigital tinea pitis. It causes what we call recurrent cellulitis. When I was a resident, at VA, we used to see all the time those patients coming back with recurrent cellulitis, being uh, hospitalized, given IV antibiotics. And the most common reason for that was interdigital tinea pitis, because what happens is epidermal barrier is disrupted between the toes. That causes the entry of other pathogens, such as strep or staph, causing that cellulitis. So if you don't treat the tinea pitis, especially the toe webs, then that theme is, that, that's going to keep happening and causing the recurrent cellulitis. The other important place to treat tinea pitis is the immunocompromised host. Elderly patients with, uh, uh, with poor peripheral vasculature, right? Elderly patients with diabetes, patients with uh, bad toes, HIV positive patients, patients with uh, chemotherapy. So all those type of special patients, they are more prone for tinea pitis and it becomes really important to treat them more aggressively so that you can prevent further problems, especially 
recurrent cellulitis. Now, if you look at, there are so many antifungals in the market, and it's, uh, none of them are uh, that new. And the uh, whole purpose, the mechanism of action, it sort of addresses the disruption of the fungus cell wall. And that's important to uh, notice because the, the fun fungal cell wall that uh, is not found in the humans or in animals or in plants. So that's a unique mechanism of action targeting that fungal cell wall. So that can be disrupted in many different places. The process starts from the squalene, and then that is converted into squalene epoxide by the enzyme called squalene epoxidase. Then the next step is going to lanesterol, and that is done by lanesterol cyclase. Then lanesterol goes into ergosterol, and that's done by 14-alpha-demethylase. So at any place, at any enzyme, at any point, you can inhibit that. And thus, you disrupt the fungal cell wall and thus causing the fungal, fungal death. So most of the antifungals, imidazoles and triazoles, they disrupt the 14-alpha-demethylase, which is further downstream. If you go upstream, allylamines, which are more effective than the imidazoles or triazoles, it actually inhibits the squalene epoxidase. So it's a further upstream, and therefore it works better. Most of the allylamines work better than the imidazoles and triazoles. So they inhibit the squalene epoxidase and does inhibiting or preventing the conversion of squalene to squalene epoxide and does basically killing the cell wall right there and then before it goes any further. So let's take a look at uh, naphthine is an allylamine. It's a fungicidal, not fungostatic. It's a fungicidal antifungal. And the 2% cream is relatively new in the market. So the studies were, of course, double-blinded randomized studies. There were two different studies, one for tinea cruris and one for tinea pitis. I was involved, actually, the one with tinea pitis, several centers. And they were used only for two weeks once a day. So I just want you to remember this. This is really important at this point, that the drug is approved for once a day for two weeks use. And that makes it very valuable tool because as you know, it does help patient compliance. When you have something for two weeks, then compared to four weeks, people are more likely to use and to do it for two weeks than four weeks. If it's something once a day, it all certainly is much easier to do it than twice a day. So then um, the vehicle is always important. As uh, I always say, vehicle does matter because you might have the best drug you put it on the skin, if it doesn't get anywhere, it's not gonna do any good. So here in this case, you have in the vehicle benzyl alcohol, which helps for the medicine to stay, not only to penetrate, but to stay in the epidermis. And then also you have isopropyl mistrate, IPM. IPM is a great penetration enhancer. It really does help the molecule to get into the skin, to get into stratum corneum. As I mentioned earlier, you can have the best molecule. If it doesn't go through the stratum corneum, it sits on the skin, it's not gonna do any good to anybody. So vehicle is very, very important. So in this case, you have uh, really a good vehicle with IPM and benzyl alcohol that helps the molecule to penetrate 
and also to remain in the epidermis. Again, remember this, remain in the epidermis because that's gonna become really important as we go further. Now, when you look at the inclusion criteria, you had patients 12 years, of, uh, 12 years of age and above, even though the drug is actually indicated for 18 years of uh, age of above, but there were patients that were studied all the way down to 12 years of age. Uh, and of course, they had to have moderate erythema, scaling, and mild pruritus. They had to have positive KOH. They have to have positive fungal culture. Exclusion criteria is quite uh, standard. Pregnant females or females of childbearing age who don't want to use a contraception. Um, patients who had atopic dermatitis or psoriasis that you cannot evaluate the disease appropriately. Uh, of course, anybody with serious illness and anybody who have hypersensitivity to active ingredients, uh, they were all excluded. The study, as I mentioned, tinea cruris was uh, for four weeks. However, the use of the drug was for two weeks. Now, when you look at the primary endpoint, this gets a little bit confusing, so I'm gonna try to explain this to the best of my ability, but complete cure was the primary endpoint. However, complete cure meant two different things. It's a composite score. So one is mycologic cure, which is quite simple, negative fungal culture, negative KOH. But then clinical cure is also necessary, and clinical cure meant signs and symptoms of tinea pedis had to be zero. That includes erythema, that includes pruritus, and that includes scaling. Scaling and erythema was assessed by the investigator. Pruritus, of course, was assessed, or we asked the patient, how is your itching? The scale was from zero to three, zero being none, one being mild, two moderate, three severe. So, as you can imagine, it is very difficult to get everything zero along the line. Zero erythema, zero scaling, zero pruritus. However, that was considered the primary endpoint, a composite score, clinical cure, mycologic cure. So it's a really a big threshold to get there. You had to have both negative KOH, negative fungal culture, you had to have zero erythema, zero scaling, and zero pruritus. So that's your first primary endpoint. Your secondary endpoints could be treatment effectiveness, which meant was, again, a composite score, mycologic cure, no fungus, no KOH, but also clinical success at this point, instead of zero, it could have been zero or one. So you could have either zero or one scaling, zero or one erythema, zero or one pruritus, okay? So that's the point where it gets a little bit confusing. But, um, and then you had to have physician's global assessment and subject satisfaction assessment. So those were the things that they looked at. Of course, adverse events were reported as well at each visit. So the first treatment was, uh, the first study was for tinea cruris, and this was a four-week study. There was a four-week washout period, which is a very standard washout. If somebody was using oral antifungals, they had to wait four weeks. If they were using topical antifungals or topical steroids, anything in topical, that was two weeks, so that's very standard. And then the treatment was started for two weeks, once a day. Of course, there were two arms, the vehicle-controlled arm, as well as the active drug. And then after two weeks of the use of the drug or the vehicle, patients stopped using it. They came back two weeks after. So now remember, 
the evaluations were done at week two, but also at week four, basically two weeks after stopping the drug. Just remember that. So when you look at the results at week four, you know, complete cure, as I said, it's gonna be a difficult result to obtain. So the numbers look a little bit weak. It's 25%. But again, this was a composite score that you had to have negative fungal culture, negative KOH, scaling zero, erythema zero, pruritus zero. Not an easy one to get. Despite that, it's about 25% compared 3% to the vehicle. But when you look at mycologic cure, that's 72%. So basically 72% of the subjects at week four had negative fungal culture, negative KOH, no fungus. Clinical success was, could be zero or one, any of those three parameters, scaling, erythema, and pruritus. So that's up to 84%. So the numbers are pretty strong there. But more interestingly, look here, what's happening? Week two is the point where you stop the drug. Week four is two weeks after stopping the drug. So the numbers are getting better despite the fact that the patients were off the drug for two weeks. So for example, clinical success was 74% at two, week two, 84% at week four. So there's 10% more improvement after stopping the drug. How is that possible? Well, maybe you can say investigators made a mistake. But let's look at mycologic cure. 67% at week two, 72% after stopping the drug. Two weeks off the drug, the mycologic cure is getting better. No fungal, fungal culture is negative. You can't make a mistake there, that's, that's basically the lab. Right? So that's pretty impressive. What's going on here? This is the first time that we're seeing a data like this that you stop the drug, even you stop the drug two weeks later, you're getting better results. It's sort of difficult to imagine, but there is a reason. And the reason is the drug stays in the skin. That's why. So it's a great vehicle and it's a great molecule that makes the drug stay in the skin even after you stop the drug for two weeks. So they have done studies. They have done hydrogen, hydrogen labeled naphthin. They applied on the uh, forearm of the healthy volunteers. And then they went back and they, did the, um, they looked at the skin and they still had naphthin concentration after 10 days. And the concentration was enough to kill the fungus, to inhibit the growth of the dermatophyte. So that's pretty unique and that's pretty important. So just remember that I think that is the most important attribute of this drug. You stop it and it still works. When you look at the adverse events, not much going on. Now one thing I have to remind you when we do clinical studies, anything that goes wrong with that patient, we have to report to FDA. That can be a car accident, that can be that the wife beats the husband, that can be that the kid falls the tree, anything and everything has to be reported to the FDA as an adverse event. That doesn't mean that it has anything to do with the study drug. So you look here, you can see headaches, 
you know naphthalene, the cream, ain't going to cause headaches. Nasopharyngitis, it's not going to happen unless they are swallowing the medicine. So most relevant things here is application site reaction, application site itching, um, pruritus, and they are from anywhere from 0 to 1%, so no big whoop there, no signals. It's all expected anytime you use a topical medication. So the bottom line is here, for tinea cruris, you have a fungicidal medication. It's fungicidal against dermatophyte, most common dermatophyte stereobrum especially. You have a good statistically significant results as well as increased effectiveness even two weeks after stopping the medication and it's well tolerated. But I think the most important point, and I'm repeating myself because I'm really excited about it, that the drug works after you stop it. And, um, and also the other thing I think it's really important compliance-wise, it's only indicated for two weeks once a day. There was about 92% compliance, 92% uh, adherence with those patients in the study. That's important too. Now, tinea corporis did not have to be studied. The FDA actually granted approval depending on the previous uh, data with, because naphthalene one percent cream was already indicated for tinea corporis. So with the existing studies, they went ahead and they granted also approval for tinea corpus. The next study I'm going to be discussing is the interdigital tinea pitis study. And so the design is very, very similar to the tinea cruris, but MERS really pushed the envelope here and they looked at the results four weeks after stopping the medication. And this is even more important in tinea pitis because as you know, it's quite a recurrent problem. It keeps coming back. So they wanted to look at the results not only two weeks after stopping the medication, but they looked at it after four weeks stopping the medication. And I thought, that's crazy. They're really going to now uh, mess this up. Let's see what happened. Very similar design again, and the same endpoints we're looking at. Remember, complete cure, it's a composite score of two different things, really tough to achieve. And then clinical success is the place where you're looking at mostly where you can have zero or one on either erythema, scaling, or pruritus. And then we have mycologic cure. So if you look at the numbers at week, um, at week six, end of the study, you have about 78% clinical success, 17% complete cure. It's a little bit less than the uh, tinea cruris, but remember tinea pitis is always more difficult to treat. And then you have 67% mycologic cure. But what I'm more interested in is let's take a look what happened at different time points. Week two, when we stopped the drug. Week four, two weeks after stopping the drug. And week six is four weeks after stopping the drug. Look at this. At clinical success, 34% at week two, 57% at week four, 78% at week six. That's now four weeks after stopping the treatment the numbers are climbing up. I wonder what would have happened at week 10. It's really interesting. Um, how about mycologic cure? Week 2, 28%. Week 4, 54%. Week 6, 67%. 67% four weeks after stopping the medication. You're not putting the medicine on. 
It's sitting in the skin. It's working on its own. And why is that? We already know why is that. Because we, we did the same thing in tinea cruris. The, the drug stays in the skin. So, um, really, it's, it's really an important deal to get better results after stopping the medication. I think it's amazing. So, um, again, about 92% was, uh, there was patient uh, adherence. It's very important. Uh, and they, um, the, I, I think the treatment when it's a shorter period of time and you get better results after stopping the medication, it becomes really, really important. And once a day becomes really, really important, the same adherence rate, compliance rate, was about 92%, just like in Tinia Cruz's study. When we look at the adverse events, very similar results. There is a little bit of application site irritation, a little bit of itching, a little bit of um, um, application site uh, pruritus, but nothing, nothing more than the expected. There are not much signals. And here in this case, in summary, very similar to Tinia Cruris, you really have a, um, you really have a uh, agent that is fungicidal. It's indicated only for two weeks of treatment once a day, which increases the compliance. Most importantly, it comes in a very nice vehicle that makes the drug stay in the skin and you get more improved and better results even four weeks after stopping the medication. And I think that is the most important attribute of this drug. And I think that's the end of my spiel. If you have any questions, I'll be more than happy to answer.